0: Hello, I'm Laura Hamilton. Welcome to Book Podcast, where we share author talks from the kitchen of Seattle's community cookbook store. When I think about cookbook themes that have emerged over the past couple of years, one that really stands out is books that tackle the subject of food waste. The UN Food and Agriculture Organization estimates that 30% of the food produced globally actually goes to waste. And the gas is emitted and energy consumed to produce, ship, and store all that food is one of the leading drivers of global warming. So cutting down on food waste is one of the most effective things that we as consumers can do to impact climate change. It's no surprise then that authors are looking for ways to help cooks use what they buy, whether it's through creative ways to use leftovers. Julia Tertian and Sarah Dickerman both have written great books on that that we'll link to in the show notes or, like today's author, ways to use up every bit of the vegetables and other food that you buy. Joel Gameron is a Seattle native who is national chef at Sur La Table and the author of the book Cooking Scrappy, where he offers up ways to use the food you might otherwise throw away. Joel demonstrated recipes in our kitchen as part of his talk, and he's such a good narrator that we think you'll still be able to follow along despite not being in the room. Here's Joel Gameron discussing Cooking Scrappy. Thank you. Thank you
1: guys so much. And it is really special to have a cookbook store like this in our backyard. Um, it's amazing how many cities I've lived in and been in and they don't, they don't have a resource like book larder. So to Lara and the whole team, thank you guys for, for hosting me and thank you for having this gem of a place because it's badass. I love it here. Again, I'm Joel. I'm from Seattle originally. I'm the national chef for Sir Latab. I've been the national chef for Sir for the past 10 years. And basically uh, what that means is I'm a big part of being the face of the brand, but also um, just getting us out there and, and working a lot on the content. We teach in 85 schools across the country to home cooks, so overlooking that. But I, I love it. I love – Sir really brought me back because they're a Seattle-based brand. Um, our first store is in Pike Place, so I love that. But for the past nine years, I've been in New York City and uh, teaching New Yorkers how to cook. At Sir and it was there that I met my partner in crime for the TV show. I don't know if anyone's ever seen the show called Scraps. Have you guys ever seen it? No? Some? Yeah. So it's on A&E. We're in season two, going into season three, and the executive producer of the show is Katie Couric. So she, I met on some of these new shows that I did in New York, and she said, you know what? You need a television show. Is there any topic that I can get behind? And I said... I am like so drawn to this idea of food waste. I was teaching a class at Sur La Table. This is what kind of sparked it. And we had these little trash bowls in front of each station. And it was overflowing with like shrimp shells and cucumber seeds and carrot peels and the carrot tops and all this stuff. And as a chef, and I studied for four years in culinary school, as a chef, you are taught you cannot throw anything away. Because restaurants have such little profit margin that being able to take the top of a carrot and throwing it into a chimichurri or a pesto or something is profit. So throwing it down the trash is just throwing money away. But there is this huge disconnect with home cooks where home cooks just didn't have that tool that professional chefs have and are encouraged to have. So raise your hand right now if you have like a grandparent or someone in your family who like threw away nothing. No? Half of us, right? And a lot of that is like this idea of the depression and just like use everything you have and then it kind of skipped a generation and now we're here and we lost it. And the reality is so much of this is incredible flavor. So much of this is untapped potential. And I get really excited because we all have this stuff already. We all have onion peels and carrot tops and chicken bones and all these things. And so I'm not saying go find these crazy ingredients. I'm saying... Just look at your ingredients a little bit differently. Cool. So, we're gonna make kind of three things here, and we're gonna do it in 45 minutes. I'm gonna cruise. You guys are gonna love it. But the first thing, like Lara said, is you guys had these potatoes. The recipe is from the book. This is my first cookbook. I'm not a writer. It was a two year process of me cooking this or making this cookbook. You know, I t- told you guys a big part of my gut is just like living it, but a big part of it was testing this book, okay? I tested this book over and over and over again because I really wanted my first cookbook to work. And a lot of these are just different ingredients. So these are, I think, the best with beef fat. And if you ever cook a steak, to take the little fat left in the pan and to put it in the fridge or freeze it, that with scrambled eggs, that with these roasted potatoes, that tossed in pretty much anything is golden. So really, it's just, that's our first scrap to talk about. But what do you do with all the potato peels? How do you turn these like on their head and make them gorgeous? Any ideas? Frying would be bomb. I'll be honest. <laughs> Frying would be totally great. But what I'm going to do is roast them because although I have this, I'm trying to shed this a little bit. I'm going to roast these potato peels, make them super crispy and delicious. I won't lie to you. This recipe came late at night. And it came... little inebriated. But I think it's really good. It is kind of like a Dorito on steroids. So you can see what we were kind of craving. So we had all these potato peels in the freezer, didn't really know what to do with them. So I threw them on a sheet pan just like this. And you can freeze these potato peels. Everyone always asks me, I have all these scraps in the kitchen. I cook and then I like, you know, peel a carrot or like stem some celery or whatever. And you have them. And then like, what do I do next? Because I don't want to put them in my meal right there. I'm not planning on it. So I always have a bowl, a scrap bowl. And I'm best friends with my freezer. So I freeze this stuff. And then again, if it's late night or if I'm looking for a little extra garnish or just something, you can look to the freezer and get inspired. So a freezer is a huge part of cooking scrappy. Potato peels on here. And then I've got some garlic powder. And these are all dry herbs that you just already have in the cupboard. Some smoked paprika, chili, turmeric, which gives it a little color, and onion powder. And I can already smell this. I know know this sounds like trashy. It is trashy. It's delicious. (laughs) So huge pinch of salt. And again, I always say when you salt things, always from a pie, not just because it looks cool, but because it really spreads. So a couple big pinches of that. And these potatoes, they're really going to shrink. So just kind of know that, right? Like we'll probably each get a couple pieces here. That's why I'm gonna make a little extra food. But just know there's a lot of water in here and that's just gonna happen. A little veggie oil, beautiful. And then I like to just put a little olive oil. I'm always a big mixture of veggie and olive oil because I think olive oil, first of all, it's expensive to buy a ton of olive oil. So to cut it with veggie oil is good. But at the same time, I think it's a little strong. And so cooking with olive oil is not my favorite. I like to kind of mute it. All right, so then it looks like a complete mess. And it did at the time. I'm like, I have no idea if this is going to work. But you throw it in the oven and I want you, you know, we're going to give it about 25 minutes. Let this roast. and You guys will start smelling it probably 10 minutes in. The oven's at 400 degrees. You don't need any special equipment. I mean, that is so easy. And what you're going to see is, is that they become like the best potato chip you've ever had really intense, toasty because of the outside. And to me, that's a whole different ingredient, right? Like we're all used to potatoes, but we're not used to just eating the potato skins. And so the skins have their own kind of nutty, deep, rich flavor. And that's what I love about scraps is that this is kind of like its own new ingredient. Cool. So I'm going to toss this in. This looks 400 degrees, 20 minutes. Any questions on that? No? Feeling good? Yes.
0: Could you throw your carrot peels in with them?
1: Heck yeah, you could and your beet peels, any root vegetable peels, parsnip peels, all of that. So you can, and just think of that like mounted on top of a salad instead of croutons. Now it's healthy, it's colorful, it's gorgeous. I do have some Parmesan cheese, and I like to add this about halfway through. Otherwise it gets a little bit too cooked. um, And then I finish it with a little bit more. So again, it's like crack. Okay, the next thing we're gonna do, I, I wanted to cook another piece for you guys. I decided I was just going to like look at my fridge this morning and make you guys something out of it because that's kind of what it's all about. So I looked at my fridge, rainbow chard, I guess you could call them rainbow chard. It was rainbow chard at one point. This has probably been in the fridge for a couple weeks. So really wilted, weird looking. I've got this kind of like fridge burnt, wrinkly pepper. And you know, I had a chef in culinary school who was like, "Listen, anyone can take a ribeye and make it gorgeous. But if you can take something like this, and make it delicious, that's cooking. Like that's skill, right? And so that is really stuck with me through my career of, I kind of want the humble ingredients. I want the challenge. So I'm gonna make for you guys a frittata. And I've got a nonstick pan on the heat right here. And again, I'm just riffing. I didn't know I was gonna make this until basically I got here. So I'm gonna start by taking the tops off these guys, just kind of shave them. When you have wilted greens, especially wilted herbs, you can dip them into ice water, like upside down, pull them out, shake them, and they'll perk back up. So if you have like really droopy basil or droopy herbs, it's a really cool hack for that. So I'm going to put those to the side for a sec. No one cooks charred stems. I don't know why. They're delicious. They're sweet. They're colorful. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to cut the bottoms off because those are a little bit, I like to say those are cooking crappy, not cooking scrappy. And I have a whole chapter in the book about that, but... um, (laughs) So, because I do think there's a big difference, you know, a lot of people ask me, they're like, okay, you know, I'll give you a perfect example. I brought a piece of cheese. Blue cheese is the worst because blue cheese, when do you know if it's bad or not? It's it's already moldy. So I have no idea if it's bad or not. So this is an example where I know this has been in the fridge for probably six months and it looks moldy and I'm like, well, it's already moldy. Then I smelled it, smelled a little sour, a little too tangy. And so, to me, I can't cook this anymore. I don't want to, It's not worth it. And so, to me, that's cooking crappy. And I wanted to bring this to you guys to say it's okay to throw things away. I'd rather you not get sick or hurt yourselves by cooking this way. But at the same time, we have this barometer in us, right? This is something, like I said, our grandparents had and we lost. And so, to be able to trust your smell, trust your senses—if it smells off, if it looks off, if it has something blue growing on it—toss it. That's crappy. Not scrappy. Cool. All right, little olive oil in this pan. And I love olive oil. I studied in Italy. It was a big part of my first cooking school. I remember, this is so dumb. I had kitchen shoes and I was switching the shoes and I put my shoes, my street shoes, up on the table. And my chef picked up a shoe and I was on, like turning the other way and she threw it at me and she's like, You're out. And I'm like, What? What's the problem? She's like, you can't put your shoes up on the kitchen. And so for, I don't know why. I just, I, Italy was just a barrage and a blackout of like old ladies screaming at me. And um, I loved it, but Italy was really about home-cooked meals, and no one appreciates scraps like Italians. And and it's really around the world. In America, we waste the most. About half, 40% of what we produce in America goes to trash. The number one cause to global warming, food waste. Where is the number one place food waste comes from? It's not restaurants, not hotels, not hospitals not grocery stores our homes so the big problem is us we're the problem and it's okay I mean I'm not on my soapbox trust me I'm new to this movement as well, and trying to get people excited about it. But we really have to kind of get behind this because this is a huge part of kind of the issues we're having. So we've got our, our stems doing their thing. We've got this really sad pepper. How do we make it happy again? I like to cut the top off, cut the bottom off, put my knife in here, and then roll it. You have this perfectly de pepper, which I think is a really fast way to de the pepper. So a good little tip. So I'm gonna just chop this guy up real quick. Any questions while I'm cutting this guy? Where did I go to culinary school? Yeah. Two places. One is the Culinary Institute of Florence in Italy, and the other is the Culinary Institute of America in Napa Valley, which is a very also weird experience because you're in like vacation land and then you're also in like the military. So <laughs> you like get out of culinary school and you know they just finished like measuring your beard to make sure it wasn't too big. And you know, meanwhile you're in vineyards and stuff. It's a very trippy experience. All right. So Peppers Inn. Onions. Now, I was taught this recipe from Angelina's dad, who's a winemaker in Walla Walla, and I will get yelled at for telling you guys that later today, because she doesn't like to tell people that. But her dad is a really good cook. They're Italian. And he taught me how to make this frittata, and it was like one or two Christmases ago, and I'm a Jewish guy, so Christmas is new for me. And of course, I'm in the kitchen, like, helping him out, trying to impress my father-in-law, and like, he doesn't care that I'm a chef. He's like, you know, orders me around like nothing. I was cutting the onions. I thought I cut them really small. And so he looked back at them and he's like, smaller. And I'm telling you guys, I was like bawling. Okay, there's so many, these things were leaking my eyes out. So I've been like chopping like this, you know, spend a couple minutes. He turns around, and he's like, smaller. And I'm like, Gino, you've got to be kidding me. This is small enough. He turns around, and so I'm like, I guarantee the smell. So I just cut to the side. I just made the noise of the chopping, but didn't actually to chop it. So I just went like this. And I'm like, how's this Junior?" He's like, perfect. I'm like, you are giving your son-in-law some crap, my friend. One of the uh, tricks I love is, first of all, if you don't want to cry from an onion, get a sharp knife. It's a huge, huge help. But also, I just posted this thing on my Instagram where you could put a little wet napkin in your mouth. You look ridiculous but you won't cry from an onion if you have a wet napkin in your mouth because the fumes and the vapors go to your wet eyes. It's attracted to anything wet. So if it hits something wet before your eyes, it saves them. Now, what is one thing I have not put in this pan yet that goes in every recipe in the world? Salt. Salt. Yeah, but garlic does go in every recipe in the world. If you salt, I hate this analogy, but it sticks with you forever. If you salt a slug, the slug becomes like a little raisin because all the water comes out of it. Same thing happens with food. When you salt an eggplant, when you salt anything, same deal. I've got a little smoked paprika, so I'm just going to put that in. I, like I said, I grew up Jewish and so we never had bacon in the house. If you ever have a recipe that calls for bacon and you're just not into it, smoked paprika. It gives you that same kind of rich smokiness. And I think it's a really good substitute if you're a vegetarian or kosher or whatever. So veggies are kind of sweating away. I'm gonna keep them kind of crispy. And I'm gonna crack some eggs. Gotta crack on a flat surface. That way you don't puncture the yolk. So really, really important tip there. These eggs look awesome. Now, the ratio of veggies to eggs. I do about an egg per person and about two cups of veggies. Per person. So it's about one egg to two cups of veggies. So the egg is really not the center of the deal. The center of the deal is the vegetables, and the egg just kind of ties and glues everything together. Does that make sense, everybody? Cool. That's, again, another thing Gino taught me. So I'm going to grab a little bit of this cheese, and by a little bit, a lot of cheese. All right, I got a little bit of garlic. Best way to get garlic smell off your hands. How how do you do it? Lemon. Lemon? It hasn't worked well for me. Um, but it, I, I've heard that. Stainless steel, I've heard. I love parsley. And especially if you have old, wilted parsley and you don't do the ice water trick, use that. And it really just picks up everything. Not sure why. These garlic papers, which everyone asks me, what can you do with the outside of garlic? Throw this in your stock. It's really, really game-changing. Also, invest in some cheesecloth. We sell it at Sur La Table. You can get it anywhere nowadays. And you can put these types of things that are just inedible in the cheesecloth and throw that into like a pot of white beans or like polenta or like chili or whatever. And it just gives this like hum and just beautiful kind of like toastiness of garlic. I, I love it. So save those. I got my garlic. Why is the garlic going in now and not in the beginning? So it d- doesn't burn, yeah. So I'm gonna chop this up. One of the things I love to do um, to stretch your garlic is add a little bit of salt, specifically crunchy salt, like coarse, coarse salt, and it acts, you can hear it. It's even louder now. It acts as little abrasives and knives, and it kind of helps break down the garlic even more. Then I grab the side of my knife and I smear. Again, this is a trick taught to me in Italy because sometimes you just have one clove of garlic, but you really need three cloves. And this is how you take one clove and really stretch it to its total, total max. And one piece about that concept, stretching something to the max, is exactly what Scraps is really all about. In the show, if you guys have seen it, on the front of the book, I have this car, 1963 VW van named Pippi. And she's named Pippi because she's red and has freckles like Pippi Longstocking. She's very cute. But we found her in like an old abandoned garage in Tennessee, and she was a total piece of trash. And no one looked at her. No one wanted her. And so we thought, what a perfect vehicle for our movement. She represents the ingredient, right? But it's not just about the ingredients. It's also about the tools. Like, how do you take, you know, a pot like this and stretch it to the max? Like, can you turn it upside down and use the bottom as a pizza stone instead of going and getting a pizza stone? Absolutely. So maybe you think you just have a Dutch oven, but really you've got a pizza stone. So that's what's really in the book. It's filled with ideas of this, of not just ingredients, but how do you take the whole kitchen and turn it on its head. Now is a good time for salt. And then we've got our eggs. I'm going to whisk these up. Are you guys following me or am I going too fast? Yeah, everyone feels like they can do this. This is frittata. It's pretty easy. So then what I'm going to do is once these eggs are together, I'm going to add some cheese. And again, I'm winging this, guys. You can add the greens, but I don't really feel like that's a scrap. I feel like I'd throw that into anything. I want this to be scrappy, scrappy. And then I'm going to add everything into the bowl. And this is really important not to add everything into the pan. So you all goes into the bowl. And really kind of clean out that pan. You're going to have some stickage, and that's cool. Back on the heat, a little butter. And by a little, like, Julia Child I'm out of butter. Okay? And then stir all those ingredients. So the cheese... All those beautiful charred stems, look at the color. Like when's the last time you had breakfast like that? You know. I can smell the smoked paprika. Okay, cool. So butter is swirling around, looking great, and this goes back in. And you know I'm about to flip this in front of you guys and it's gonna be scary as hell, but they're not gonna know the difference on the podcast, so <laughs> I don't really care. So we're gonna let that kind of do its thing. It's gonna let it set. And while that's going, how much time be on our potatoes? Five minutes perfect amount of time to do one of my favorite recipes from the book, which is to make a salt. This is like the cheapest gift you can give someone and it's kind of a homemade thing and I love it. So we're going to infuse a salt with scraps. And in this case, I looked at my fridge and I had like the softest, squishiest, beet, like my finger can almost sink through it. Like it feels roasted, it's not roasted. So this beet, right, and when you peel beets, typically you roast them and then rub the skins off. But what do you do with those skins? How can you utilize those? So I did a really cool recipe in the book, a salmon cured beet skin recipe. And the salmon like turns this like vibrant, I don't know, tie dye color. It's so gorgeous because of the beets. I used to um, work for these two hippies when I went to school in CIA, Napa, and I would go to the farmer's market. Has anyone ever been to the farmer's market in San Francisco, like on the Ferry Building? The best farmer's market ever. Like it's unbelievable. And every single uh, morning on Saturdays, I would go work there and we would make these amazing sandwiches. They used to make the most amazing, they still do, smoked salmon. And they would make these sandwiches with lavender salt homemade mascarpone, and they would like smear it on, and then whatever they found at the market, and it would just kind of make it. They still make them, so they're amazing if you're ever in town. So this is kind of inspired by them. I've got a mortar and pestle, my favorite tool in the kitchen. Everyone have one? No? Dude, this is like the caveman Cuisinart. You gotta get this. So, beet skins in, tons of crunchy salt, like half a cup. Usually it's like two tablespoons of whatever flavor, and then half a cup of really crunchy salt. I've got some thyme, and I'm just going to take the stems and everything, because you know me by now, and I'm just going to bash it all up. And again, you just kind of rub this in, and it's going to pick up the thyme. It's going to like, even if I just peeled this thyme and use just the stems, you're going to see, we're going to take it out later, but it's going to absolutely pick up the fragrance of that. You could use rosemary stems, beet stems, mint stems. There's so many different things you can add in here. If you have peels from tomatoes, you can dehydrate those and grind those with the salt and make a tomato salt. That on fish will make your eyes roll the back of your head. It's so good. So lots of options when it comes to making salt. This guy, if you guys can see, I just kind of start shaping it, and it really becomes this gorgeous frittata. And this is the best way to make a frittata, not in the oven. The eggs kind of dry out in there. It's really dense because, again, the egg-to-vegetable ratio is so small, right? There's just barely enough egg there to hold the whole thing together. So I'm going to bash this bad boy up. Has people seen the show before? Some people, yeah? So the show is me traveling across the country. We have 21 episodes now. And you can find it on iTunes, on Hulu. And I stop in different cities and meet up with different chefs. And we put on dinners with local trash, like local scraps. Um, I know it sounds gross, but it's really good. And we shock people. So in Detroit, we found these amazing scraps, and we cooked for kids and they didn 't realize, and then we, at the end we reveal and they 're totally blown away we 've cooked everything from beef cheeks, which is gets thrown away and call fat to fish bones. We did it in Montana. We went fly fishing, caught fish, and you use the bones you can fry them, and they become like a cracker. Fish bones are delicious, and we 're like the only culture that doesn 't use them so I you know if you 're in the mood for a little binge watching i don 't know what the weather's like this weekend, but it's a good binge-watch show. You'll see more of this punim. You'll like it. Okay, my salt. And I kind of just want to pass this around so you guys can smell the beet, the thyme. But that took me, I don't know, all of like two minutes. And the color is gorgeous. You would come to Sur La Table and pay 20 bucks for that thing, you know? And that, in a really cute jar, the little beet salt sticker on the outside, and there's your Christmas, Hanukkah, and birthday present all in one. All right, let's check our crisps. Oh, we got a little crispy, but we're good. So they're going to look like these got a little crispy, but these are perfect. Look at that. So they're going to come out looking nice and soft and malleable. Oh, these look awesome. But as they dry, they really crisp up. You guys can kind of hear? Really good. Again, this is Doritos for adults, I guess. This is such a delicious recipe. So I'll plate this guy up. Look at this. I mean, this was, let's be honest. We all throw away potato peels, but now you've got an hors d'oeuvre, you've got a little appetizer, a little bar snack, you've got a garnish, you've got your next crouton. That to me, is, it's rustic, it's beautiful. That's it right there. Give it up for that dish right there. See, we, we're turning nothing into gold, people. Nothing into gold. I love it. Our frittata is at that perfect stage. So, we'll take a look at this. Let's see if we can flip this guy out one more time. I have a feeling we're gonna have a disaster in our hands. Not bad, not bad. I'll take it. A <laughs> little bit more cheese over the top of both of these, because cheese makes it look like you didn't mess up. <laughs> Doesn't that look good? So, we have kind of our own little frittata, all with char That was the back of my fridge today. But again, you know, this is the ethos of the movement of the book is that, you know, you have beet skins. You have potato peels, you have charred stems, and you can turn it into so many different things. Chefs have known this forever. If you cook, this is not news to you. But maybe if you're a home cook, this is just something that we weren't aware of. It's just something that we forgot about. And so this is really what I'm doing across the country is just getting people ignited behind this. And I hope that you guys see the value of the book. Um, There's 100 recipes in there. Like I said, tested them a lot. But we have, you know, spent coffee grounds, lobster shells. Like, what do you do with this stuff? We make a lobster shell paella and risotto on there that is unbelievable. It's better than the lobster itself, you know? And so it's just, it's how do you take these things and think outside the box? And I think that's part of the love and challenge of cooking. I'll tell you guys a quick story. Risotto. Let's just take risotto. Total blank slate. You can take anything you have in the fridge, anything you have it on hand, and make a gorgeous risotto out of it. So I was at a restaurant and I was staging. A lot of the times when you go to a really fancy restaurant, you've got to work for free for like five, six days. And they kind of see how you do. You see how they are. Um, and I loved this restaurant. I won't name the restaurant because it doesn't have a happy ending. Um, so the restaurant was in San Francisco. I'll tell you that much. It was a two Michelin star restaurant. So a very fancy restaurant. And it was on the fifth day of my stage. And I was crushing it. I was doing a great job. Really, all I was doing was peeling peel peas the entire time with a bunch of guys in the back. But they also test you on a dish, um, and mine was risotto. And so uh it was day five, and the chef said, okay, um, Joel, it's time for you to make a dish. And I knew my blank slate recipe, no matter what he threw at me, was going to be risotto. Meanwhile, that whole week, we've been peeling these peas and have a vat of peas. And I'm telling you, it took me... And these guys, four or five days to get to this vat of peas. So I'm making this risotto. I'm getting it all ready. He brings all the people from the back of the house, all the chefs, all the cooks, all the dishwashers to the front of the house. And I get my um, my plate ready. And he says, Joel, can you also bring me the peas, the whole vat, so everyone can try them because it's everywhere on the menu. I'm like, of course, chef. And I go in the back. I grab my risotto for him to try. And I grab this vat of peas. But I'm so looking at this risotto. We all know where this is going. Uh, The whole thing, and I'm talking this thing was like up to here on me, poured onto the ground. So I had a couple options at that point. One is uh, sweep it up and put it back in the vat and not tell anybody, which really crossed my mind at one point. Um, The other idea was just to go out and just be honest and like figured the guy was a nice enough guy. So So I went out there with my risotto which was perfect. I felt really good about it. Put it in front of him and he's like, oh, I told you to grab the peas too. And I go, yeah. Um, So I accidentally spilled all those peas and in front of 50 people, he fired me right on the spot. Humiliating, humiliating. So I went in the back and I was really upset and I grabbed the baking powder and the baking soda labels and switched them and left. And I'm like, they're going to have no idea what's happening with their cakes and cookies. Like, they're going to think something's in the air. But I got a lot of pleasure out of that. And again, this is a judge-free zone, you guys promise. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, the cooking world is is crazy. But for blank slates, polenta, soups, stews. Um, I love things like frittata take on everything. Pasta is another great one. Grains, farro, you can roast up anything and put it in there. So I always make bases, whether it's white beans or something, and it's usually a carb or something, and then everything else can get folded in. And it's delicious. You just have to be open-minded to it. I some old rosemary. What do you suggest to stop When you have old rosemary or woodsy herb, does everyone know the difference between a woodsy herb and like a soft herb or yeah, fresh herb? So woodsy herb is one that you can't eat the stem. So woodsy herb would be rosemary, thyme. It's just you couldn't chew through it, but you can totally eat a cilantro stem or a parsley stem. Like those you can chew through and eat all the things. So for woodsy herbs, when they're dry like that, um, you can crumble them up and you have fresh, you have like rosemary powder and it's like totally legit. You can fry them with, if you ever fry and they get really crispy and that like, you know, the whole oil takes on the rosemary and you can make fish and chips in that or fried chicken in that. It's absolutely delicious. Um, you can make rosemary salt the way I just did. Um, a good way to save your herbs if they're starting to go, especially limp and they are the soft herbs, um, put them in ice cube trays and then cover them with olive oil and then freeze them. And that way when you need a little herby olive oil, you can just pop out a cube put it in your, in your uh, pan, and you're golden. So it's a nice little tip. So I like to kind of end these demos with a game, if you guys are down for that. I call it Stump the Scrap. And what I like to do with Stump the Scrap is uh, I first ask you guys, is there a scrap you have? And you can throw <laughs> it out there and see if I can't think of something to make with it. And if you stump me, I'll give you a book. <laughs> If you can't stump me, which you won't, I will reverse it and try and stump one of you guys. So, any scraps out there that you think would stump me? Yes. Top of a pineapple. Top of a pineapple. So, and by the way, I forgot to do one caveat. It has to be edible, but I will say, it can't be a rock, okay? I don't know how to cook a rock. But top of a pineapple, they're turning that into leather, by the way, right now. So, there's a big pineapple leather movement thing that's all the leaves. Yeah, it's really interesting. But I infuse it into drinks. So you can make tiki drinks out of it. I have a whole recipe about the pineapple tops and the, the outside infused into a simple syrup. And it makes this pineapple perfect for a tiki drink. Really, really good. Or a sorbet or something. Yeah. Outside of avocado. Outside of avocado is not not edible. I've studied avocados. But I, I've i wanted those pits so bad, man. But apparently they're poisonous. So, you know, that's cooking crappy, not scrappy. Yeah. What about cottage kind of
0: cheese that's just a
1: little bit sour? Like it's- yeah, so great question, and I think dairy is a good question. So I had a whole episode on scraps about labels and about expiration dates, which are so confusing because some are best by, some are used by, some are sell by, and you're just like, what do these all mean? When dairy smells a little sour, it's essentially creme fraiche or buttermilk at that point. Um, so it's not bad. When it has a different coloration, like mold, throw it away. So you can absolutely eat something that smells a little sour. Really good for a marinade. Cottage cheese, like sour cottage cheese or yogurt or anything over chicken one day in the fridge, then fry that chicken, you you won't believe it. You can't over fry it. It's like the juiciest chicken you've ever had. And really good in biscuits. Corn silks. Corn silks. (laughs) Corn silks. Dude. Because I think that is edible. I think you can eat that. The book is yours. I'm stumped. Yeah, take it. Guys, this has been so much fun. I, I hope you guys had fun. I know it's been a, a quick hour and you guys got a quick bite from the back of my fridge but also some scraps. And, and really just think about looking at your vegetables as a whole, looking at your meats as a whole. And the last thing I say is, is like no grocery store is going to go start carrying this stuff. And so just make sure you go in those places and start asking for things that they don't carry. Ask for the backs of chickens. ask ask for broccoli stems, ask for the Brussels sprout stems. They'll start caring if we ask for it. So that's the one change that we can really demand. But for the most part, just start cooking scrappy. And I really appreciate you guys taking the time today.
0: To get a 10% discount on cooking scrappy and other books featured in this podcast, visit booklarder.com and enter the code podcast at checkout. This episode was produced and edited by Abby Circatella. Our theme music was composed by James Coley. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where our handle is at BookLarder. To subscribe to our monthly newsletter and get more information about our author talks and cooking classes, visit BookLarder.com. And if you find yourself in Seattle, please visit us at 4252 Fremont Avenue North. I'm Laura Hamilton. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.